Welcome to The Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We have a new website we want to steer you to. It is SavingEvangelicals.com. It links you to the website TestYourTestimony.com. There you'll find an interactive experience that guides you in testing your testimony of saving faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 commands that those in the church do just that. Test yourselves, it says, and see whether you're in the faith or don't you know that Christ is in you unless you fail the test. So go to SavingEvangelicals.com or TestYourTestimony.com and take the test. John's name was a new name in his family. It means God is gracious. John the Baptist came on the scene identifying people's sins and calling upon them to repent, to turn away from their sins to God and find his forgiveness. And as a sign of their repentance, they were not called upon to heap ashes upon themselves and lament. They were instead called upon to be immersed in water as a sign of cleansing. We just admit our sins and turn our faith to God's provision in Jesus Christ. God, through Jesus, washes away those sins and makes us clean because God is gracious. God's mercy, it's God's grace that reveals to us our sin. It's God's mercy and His grace that shows us that there's no answer in ourselves. And it's a great day, it's a great time of joy when we realize our sins and we confess it. And so John's name, this one who comes and preaches God's law and man's sin and God's judgment and a coming king, this message is a message of grace. It's a good gift that God gives to us that leaves us recognizing our need of Him. It's one of the most wonderful gifts that God gives to any person is the gift of convicting them of their sin, of their lack of righteousness, bringing them in fear of judgment. When God comes and he convicts us of our sin, these are words that bring to us God's desire, not our deserving. They're words that show us what God desires, what we don't deserve, but what God wants to accomplish for us. They're invitations in the recognition of our sin that God would call us to himself where we can be forgiven and washed and cleansed and brought back to him. No one can understand the goodness of God's salvation without seeing it in context of their sin and their sickness and their death. And this is what this word will reveal to us. When it comes to us and we realize it and we hear it, it's the truth of the prophetic word that makes known to us a Savior who washes us from our sins, who cleanses, heals us from our sickness and delivers us from spiritual death. And that's very encouraging. It's a message of grace. I want to see here that there is a moment of grace when the silence of sin is broken with the song of salvation. There's a moment of grace when the silence of sin is broken and there's a song of salvation. And I want to make a statement as a general statement, but it is true. We have to allow ourselves to be distinguished from everyone else. Sometimes we want to tell people who are our neighbors, you know, I'm just like you. There's no difference between us. There is a sense in which that's true. The substance of what we are apart from Christ We're no different from anyone else, and our propensities are the same, and we have sin roiling within us, but there is a difference. Add Christ. Bring him into your life, and he brings to you salvation, he brings to you life, and he he changes the substance of your life, and it's this. And the unborn again person, the unborn again individual, there is a profound and deep silence at the core of their being. There is an echoing, aching longing and desire that is not fulfilled an unfulfilled longing that echoes in the vacuum of their lives. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has put eternity in men's hearts. 
And sin has driven God from the core of our being, from the temple of our being. And without Christ, our lives are a vacated and lonely temple where only the whispers and the haunting sounds of what could be echo about us. Yes, they stir us to think of spiritual things. And they create within us longing. And they gather within us dreams and visions of transcendence. But it's dreams and visions of transcendence that are largely unrealized and only, only beckon us but to where and to whom. And when an individual meets Jesus Christ, when they surrender their life to Jesus Christ and receive him as their savior, this empty chamber, this inner temple of their souls is filled with himself. <laughs> he comes into us and he dwells within us and he cleanses us out and he makes himself known to us and he takes up residency within us and the silence of eternity in our hearts is ended with songs of salvation. He has visited and redeemed his people. The silence is broken with a song of a new name. God is gracious. God is merciful. God has been merciful. It becomes our song. You look at your hymnal and you begin to read it. You read the spiritual songs that individuals have written and understand that they were written because they had realized this profound and wonderful moment of God's saving. I've given the illustration to you multiple times. It's the story of John and Charles Wesley and how they formed a holiness club and they sought by devoting themselves to times of fasting and reading God's word and holding one another accountable to follow the commands of scripture that they would be good Christian men but they didn't realize any sense of hope or assurance in it. In fact, John Wesley took off to prove his devotion to God by being a missionary to Georgia. He took a ship from England over to Georgia to work among the Indians. On that ship were a, a band of Moravians. And in the midst of the traverse across the sea, there was a tremendous storm that took place. And it looked like the, the ship was to be overwhelmed and all were to perish. And John Wesley was scared to death. He was just filled with fright and concern. And what particularly struck him was that the Moravians were at complete peace. There was a calmness about them and their prayers were prayers of thanksgiving and trust. This shook him. And when he got over to Georgia and he carried out his missionary duty, he had no sense of satisfaction in that as well. And he felt himself a complete failure and he returned to England. And as he returned in England, he, he brought himself to go to a little prayer meeting that was taking place. And in this little prayer meeting that was taking place with a group of Moravians, he heard an individual reading from the commentary of Luther on Romans reading what Luther had written about the just shall live by faith. And as he heard about this wonderful promise that salvation came by simple faith in Jesus Christ, he writes that his heart was strangely warmed. And there was this transformation that took place in him as he, he gave up trying to follow his rules and follow his religion and being a good person. And he realized that everything had been accomplished and finished in Christ alone. And he was filled with the Spirit of God and he was wonderfully transformed in that hour well, around the exact same time, the same thing happened to Charles Wesley, his brother. Charles Wesley didn't go to Georgia, but he remained behind, and he wanted to do good works as well to prove his Christian faith, and so he'd go to the prisons, and he would try to share his faith with those who were in the prison house and had been condemned to die. And he would bring them blankets, and he'd try to speak some word of encouragement, but it always bothered them that he had no real good news to send to them, to give them. He was himself trying to be as good as he could and as righteous as he could to confirm his Christianity. But what could these men who were under condemnation of death for their crimes and the evil that they'd done, what good thing could they do? And then around that time, 
Charles Wesley realized the same wonderful truth that a person is justified by faith in Jesus Christ alone by the work that he had done in living a perfectly righteous life and dying for our sins and Charles Wesley was wonderfully saved. And as soon as Charles Wesley was saved, he began to write songs and hymns of the salvation he had realized. And we sing a lot of those songs here in our church. You can open up your hymnal and you can sing them. Songs like, uh, Amazing Love, How Can It Be That Thou My God Hast Died For Me. Charles Wesley, after having come to Christ and found salvation and faith in Christ alone and having poured out his heart and hymnody that he began to write, he he went to the prison house again and he met with a group of men that were condemned to die the next day. There in the prison house, he shared with them the testimony of what he had realized in Jesus Christ in an answer that was given to us, a good news that comes to us and all the work that Christ accomplished on our behalf. There was nothing you had to do. All the work was finished in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You had only to believe in him and trust in him and he would pour upon you a complete salvation that would be so full and so complete that it would follow you and carry you into eternity. Through the night he began to teach him these things and then he also began to teach him a song that he'd written. After he taught them the song, the morning came and they brought the men away to be hung and they brought them out on a cart to be hung and he went with them on the cart and when they came to the cart, there was a chaplain who had been assigned by the English government to pray for these individuals before they were to be hung but they insisted that Charles Wesley pray for them instead. So there on the cart they sang the song that they had learned together And then after they sang the song, he prayed for them. And then the gallows were slipped around their neck and the cart was pulled away and they were hung. Charles Wesley went home and wrote in his journal, that day beneath the gallows was the happiest day of my life. Because mercy and grace had been found. Maybe he taught them this song. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursued? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Tis mystery all the immortal dies, who can explore his strange design. In vain the firstborn seraph tries to sound the depth of love divine. Tis mercy all, let earth adore, let angels' minds inquire no more. He left his father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace, emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him my living head and clothed in righteousness divine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? There is grace. There is a song to be sung when the silence of sin is overcome with the gracious story of God's salvation. Here's a third thing very quickly. There's grace in a brand new name being set upon us. God gave his son that we might become his sons and daughters. So John 1, 12 and 13 says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We become the sons and daughters of God, and as we do, we become heirs of all that is his. And in that moment, in that hour, we're given new names. And they're not our family names. They're new names. They're names that we inherit not by right of human birth, not as an extension that our parents give to us, but by right of the second birth. And so in that moment that I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I became Joel bar Jehovah Jireh. That is Joel, the son of the Lord, our provider. You became Greg, Greg bar Jehovah Shalom. Greg, the son of the Lord, our peace. And you became Sharice bar Jehovah Rapha. Daughter of the Lord who heals. And you became Rob, bar Jehovah Roy. Son of the Lord who shepherds his children. And, and Trish, bar Jehovah Sekenu. Daughter of the Lord our righteousness. And Julie, bar Jehovah Shema. Daughter of the Lord who is ever with us. You got a new name. You got his name. The name of God himself put out upon you, signed upon you, written upon you, etched in a book that will never be taken away. The name of a child of God it is yours. It's a name that says God is gracious. He gives us a name we do not deserve. Thanks for listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I want to extend to you a welcome to join our worship every Sunday at 11 a.m. in the Old White Church at 1023 East State Street in the Warm Springs area of Boise. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org and follow the links. Until the next time, may God bless you.